Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek Podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 78 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm joined by Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the Game Master Studio podcast. Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM. And Ed. Was I supposed to come up for with a line for this? Because <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Welcome, guys. I'm very, very excited to have you. For those of you who are not familiar with uh, Game Master Studio, that's that's their intro, and I couldn't help but but steal it from them. No worries. Uh, Ed, because I feel like, and I have felt like this from the first episode of your show that I listened to, that you get the raw end of the deal on the, uh, <laughs> on the, uh, bio. So why don't we start with you? Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, yeah, my name's Ed. I've been gaming, uh, either as a player or a GM for about 16 years or so now. Uh, for a while I was a professional wrestler and an aspiring actor, but those both fell through. So I'm podcasting. Awesome. <laughs> and how about you, other guys? Okay, yeah, um, this is Jerry. I'm, I normally do that line, the lines there, so that is actually spun off the top of my head for the first podcast or two and then just became a tradition, mm -hmm. uh, along with a lot of the outros. Uh, the reason that Ed gets the raw end of the deal there is because the biggest headache that we have every single week is coming up with a good line. <laughs> um, we can spend two hours prepping and then another hour figuring out what's Ed going to say during the intro. That's not entirely accurate. Come on. Yeah, sometimes it's only like 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've been gaming and working with games longer than I can remember. I know that I started in role-playing games. I think I was somewhere between like six and eight years old. My dad got me and my brother the Red Box D&D. &D, just kind of took off from there. I've been playing ever since. 
So I'm looking at a good three decades of gaming. Um, I've also done a bunch of time in theater and radio, which kind of translates right over to podcasts directly quite nicely. And of course, doing a bunch of the other, you know, video games and cartoons and comics and all the other fun geek stuff that we'll be talking about a little later on. Awesome. And how about you, Jared? Uh, I've been gaming. I started playing D and D when I was about sixteen, so pushing almost twenty years now. Uh, I started DMing right off the bat. I got like two good sessions in, and then we lost our DM, so I had to learn how to DM real fast. And uh, honestly, I didn't do so well in the beginning, but you learn fast and uh, and pick up a few things. I've been playing D and D on and off ever since. Uh, these guys got me back into it about a couple about five years ago ish now. After I told them I didn't want to because I knew it would consume my life. Sorry. I had just gotten off the, the, the crack binge for a couple of years, and I was clean, and then they got me back on the wagon. Uh, other than that, like, a, another big part of my life, uh, I was I played drums. I've been in bands on and off, so I have a lot of experience with, like, audio and recording and being on stage in front of people. So all that stuff, you know, talking in front of people's never bothered me. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Now, obviously, RPGs are uh, a big part of, of your guys' geekitude, but do you guys have other areas of geekiness that you kind of jump into and like to explore? Well, I'd say we're all pretty super geeky, so yeah. Who wants to start? <laughs> uh, I'll, go, I'll start off. Uh, I do, in addition to the, the, the podcasting and the uh, role-playing games, I'm you know, an avid video gamer. You know, I've uh, doing a bunch of, we've set up uh, weekly board games, getting into doing board and card games with people and introducing them to some of the modern stuff that's come out. Uh, I'm also doing some tabletop miniature games, uh, just getting into the store championship season of X-Wing, got kind of demolished with that. Um, and then comics, movies, uh, collect toys, all across the board. Uh I am a, a tabletop RPG uh, addict. Uh, if I'm not playing some sort of tabletop RPG three or four times a week, I'm really not happy. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I watch a lot of TV and movies. I just love film, so I'll watch a bunch of that stuff. I'm, you know, pretty big, uh, pretty big dork when it comes to that stuff. Mostly popular stuff in the sci-fi or fantasy realms, but uh, that's pretty much where. I'd say my my strongest area of geekitude is be TV and movies that sort of thing and RPGs. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I'm into a few different things. Uh, video games. I kind of took a break from those for a while too, but I'm I'm back full bore in video games. I actually do a Let's Play channel, which I'll I'll mention later on, uh, as well as this podcast. Uh, of course, you know, GMing and, and the whole role-playing thing. But, yeah, TVs and movies, I try to keep up on all the movies. I'm a, a big movie nerd. Uh, back in the day when I was younger, I was huge into comics, but I kind of fell out of those. I haven't been able to keep up, unfortunately, as much as I want to. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say my biggest areas, other than role-playing, would be movies and, and video games. Very cool. Now, are there areas where, you know, you think, well, these are kind of mainstream geeky things but you're just not into them uh yeah they're uh for things that i'm just not into uh i don't know it's kind of hard like there's there's a few things that i just i hear and i just want to just honestly go in the corner and cry uh i mean i know it's kind of borderline on on geekiness but like there's a lot of uh, music that comes out on the radio now that makes me want to cry and that's mostly because i have a musical background Mm -hmm. um 
There's a lot of animes that I see coming out nowadays that, that make me sad. Even though I'm huge into anime, there's, you know, in certain genres, there's there's other genres that I'm not really into. But I don't know. It's it's I I think my biggest weakness, and I know I'm kind of stealing this from Ed because Ed's going to say it too, but his books. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't read nearly as much as I should or even want to. Um, and I know there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of books. It just doesn't... I. I'll watch the movie or the TV show and be and be thrilled. Um, I'm not a big music buff myself either, so I'd say I'm weak in that area. Yep, and I'm kind of the other side of the coin from these guys. I do a ton of reading, ton of books, uh, comics, and all that, but I really fall flat when it comes to TV. I have a hard time sitting down and binge watching and doing any of that. Uh, there's the nice joke that keeps getting brought up is. For about a year and a half now, I've been three episodes from the end of Jessica Jones. Uh, there's all sorts of classic series that I've never seen an episode of just because I can't sit down and watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I can sit with a book and read for five hours and not even you know get up to grab something to drink just because I'm into it at the moment. So it's just for whatever reason, TV doesn't work for me. Yeah, we always forget about that, too. So we'll mention like. Just the other day, Ed mentioned something from season one of Game of Thrones, which the whole world's seen except Jerry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it's it's funny because I, I've I've mentioned on other shows I'm an English teacher and I'm a poorly read English teacher because it's one of those things where you spend so much time reading term papers that it's hard to be able to get yourself to sit down and just read for pleasure. <laughs> oh yeah, I can totally see so, that. So so yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more of I'm I'm in line with Ed and uh Jared with the with the reading, although I would really like to. I I enjoy vacations because that's usually when I get my my reading in. So I'm I'm envious of you, Jerry, that you got you you're able to do that. It also saves me money on my cable bill. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> um, what's your guys' favorite fandom? Where's the area that, you know, no matter what, this is this is the geeky area that you're always going to go back to? Well, uh, me, the first three Mass Effect games, I really got immersed into. So Mass Effect has become a huge fandom for me. I love it. Uh, anything, anything Mass Effect I usually get into. I have the new game, played that. Um, I'd say other than that, maybe Game of Thrones. I really love that a lot, but really it always comes back to Mass Effect for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's, I, it's such a big, immersive world. I love it. Yeah, I've heard quite a few people say that. I know my yeah, co-host for the, uh, State uh, of the Geek is very into Mass Effect. and, and she's Yeah, run, it's amazing. Yeah, she's run a, a RPG uh, set in that world. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing the newest one. I'm kind of slow playing it at this point, uh, but it's... It's it's really good. I think it's going to have a lot of potential, but it doesn't quite have the same impact that playing the second or third Mass Effect did, just because you're so invo- invested in those characters at that point. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one's it's all new characters, so you have to get reinvested. Right. Yeah, but I've heard that. It's 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 great. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. See what they do. Awesome. How about you, you guys? Uh, my my favorite fandom is is actually another one that started. Many, many years ago in uh, uh, 1985, when the Transformers first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, 30-something years later, I'm still involved. I'm still, you know, that's one of the series that I do kind of catch up, keep up on. I have a collection of the figures. 
Uh, at last count, I know I had over a hundred of the original G1 figures and a few hundred in total across all of the, the production lines. Yeah. Um, it's just, it draws me in. It's got, they've got characters, they've got personalities. There's the puzzle mode of switching it around. All the fans I've met have always been lots of fun and interesting to talk about. And you have the, the original characters that are usually kind of frowned on in other fandoms and Transformers are kind of embraced because mm-hmm. not only you have to come up with a character, but also the alt modes and the transformations and all these little details and quirks of the characters that help make them unique. And it's just something that appeals to me for I don't know why. Now, have you enjoyed the uh, the movies as they've come out? or The Bayformers are a point of contention among the fandom. It very much splits. Um, I look at that very much as this is a, this is a parallel dimension. These characters have the same names, the same general backstories. But the stories go a little bit differently, and I can enjoy them on their own merits, because sometimes I like to go into the movie theater and watch giant robots punch each other in the face and blow things up. Mm-hmm. But they're never going to connect in with the G1 cartoons and all that other stuff that I hold so dear. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. I loved that show. I, I, it's something I should probably go back and revisit. Uh, for me, um, I think probably the simplest answer of the three of us, uh, I'm into anime. Uh, I've been into anime for a long time. I started, I think my first anime I ever saw was Ninja Scroll, the movie, and uh, I just kept coming back for more. Um, my favorite anime series, I mean, Bleach is great, I think, but I'd probably go with Gurren Lagann or Berserk as two of my all-time favorite animes. And even if I go a year or two, like, without having watched any new animes, I'll always you know, I have a few on my hard drive that I'll just kind of watch on a regular basis. It's just one of those things I'll keep coming back to. And I'm very picky about what I kind of, from the new stuff, that what I, I kind of accept into my sphere. Because mm-hmm. um, there's just, a, like, anime is just... It used to be that anime was kind of hard to get in the U.S. Like, I used to have to... I, I literally uh, went to Chinatown. I lived in New York for... New York City for a few years. And I used to go to Chinatown and buy black market VHSs of Dragon Ball Z. Um, so it's, it's been a long time coming. Allegedly. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) allegedly. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, neither confirmed nor denied, uh, on, you know, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so, I mean, it's just one of those, I've been into it since I was in junior high and I don't think it'll ever go away. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's something that I've, I keep trying to, I just haven't. I don't honestly. I don't know where to start. <laughs> I don't know where to start with anime. Everyone's gonna have a different answer for you. So I mean, like one of my favorite series is Gurren Lagann, and I think the reason that I love that series specifically is because of how epic in scope it gets. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, the, it's one season, but by the end of the season, they're literally throwing galaxies at each other. Oh wow! Uh, you know, in a, this big epic fight, and like you can't really top throwing a galaxy at at somebody. So like, where do you go from there? Right. <laughs> throwing two galaxies. <laughs> that's spoken like a true GM, especially one that's created his own world. It's like I'm just gonna throw a galaxy at them. <laughs> yeah, just make them explode. One of my favorite GMs once, like he, we were playing the the Marvel superheroes, um, the classic system. Yeah, face rip. put out. Yeah, face rip. And, uh, and one of the characters had way too many resources as far as like contacts. Like, mm-hmm. like she'd explained like her family was tied into everything. So he basically dropped a meteorite on a family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's brilliant. Anytime he said suddenly, we knew we were in trouble. Um, <laughs> this is awesome. All right. What, um, 
what are some of the things that you guys like that you know um, not enough people know about? And anytime you can, you're gonna you're gonna tell people about it, try and get them into it. Um, I brought up earlier that uh, I'm doing some of the tabletop gaming, um, and the miniatures game that I've gotten into now is the X-wing by Fantasy Flight Games. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they they're up to the point where they have you know world's championships going on every year, and we're now in a, another store championship season. It's also something that I bring up and people are like, wait, what is it? What do you do? Um, it is a tabletop gaming that uses the star Wars ships. And um, it's m- compared to most tabletop miniature wargaming. There's normally a high entry bar, like money wise, like you need to buy all these little miniatures and assemble them and paint them and get all these detailed rules. All the miniatures for this come pre-assembled, pre-painted. You can jump right in and play. It's really easy to pick up, and it's a lot of fun. And I would love to see that our communities grow, and we're still getting new people in, and people look, and they go, oh, Star Wars, that's cool. Um, and I just I would like to see more people playing and let it get a little more recognition, get up to there to like the to like the Warhammer 40K level of of awareness. That's awesome. Yeah, I know my my co-host uh, Kelly has been playing that quite a bit too, and um, and she just just loves it. She keeps t- talking about it quite as epically. Long, as, so as long as she's flying rebels, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is. I want to say she is. Yeah. And I've actually dragged the two of them to to a tournament as well and set them up with lists to play. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I bought a few figures to get into it. Very cool. How about you guys? Anything uh, out there that you recommend that not enough people know about? Uh, I've been playing. It's a board game, kind of going with the, the the board game night that Jerry mentioned earlier. Every Thursday, we've been doing a board game night or or game night in general at our friends, you know, non tabletop. And uh, Jerry actually got me into this. He got the the modern version of this board game called Zombicide. So I went out not wanting to duplicate what he already had, even though there's a few different modern editions. I got the Black Plague version, which is like the fantasy base. It's almost like kind of playing like D&D-ish, you know, with your characters. You scale up a little bit during the game, but you're playing obviously against exclusively against the zombie horde. It's extremely difficult. I think I played the game about a dozen times now, and we've only won like twice. Like the game is definitely stacked against the players. And I just, I dig the challenge. Like I've gotten to the point where I, I almost want to set it up and play by myself with, because you have to play with at least six characters on the board, but you can play with any number of players. Mm-hmm. So I've thought about just setting it up and playing myself just to see if, you know, if I can single-handedly beat the game. <laughs> <laughs> Not having to worry about, you know, the decisions of other people at the table. Not that anyone's made you know, really bad decisions, but just because, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm digging it. So And uh, it's done by uh, Coolman or Nots associated with the game, and I think it's Guillotine Games that officially puts it out. And coincidentally, timing-wise, May 30th, they're just starting a Kickstarter for a new expansion for that game. So a little <laughs> plug for that, even though I have nothing to do with them. That sounds fun. I, that's definitely something I think I want to check out. Awesome. Ed, anything? Yeah, uh, a few things on the on the gaming or so sort of on the game night side of things. There's another uh, card game that we play called Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's basically you play anywhere between like is it two or five superheroes going up against this like super villain and it's like a co-op teamwork thing. It's really cool. Uh, it's card based. You have your deck for your specific character and you go up against uh, a villain in uh, in a in sort of an epic sort of um, 
um, showdown. An epic showdown in like various areas as well. So you could like go up against like their Magneto style character, but like in an underwater, you know, ruins of Atlantis sort of deal. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I I'd like to see that get a little bigger. Also, there's a couple shows out there. I I don't know if like I know that they're popular. Like when I look online, but like in my heart of hearts, I think not enough people are watching these. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, um, that's going to be the Shannara Chronicles and the Expanse. I love both of those shows and I hope that enough people keep watching them. So they keep making more of that. The Shannara Chronicles is on Netflix. Is Expanse on Netflix? Uh, I actually haven't checked. Okay. Uh, the original, uh, Expanse is on sci-fi. Shannara Chronicles is on MTV. And boy, when MTV put that together, I was surprised. Like, yeah, it's like actually I, a good show. I thought, oh, this is going to suck. And then I started watching. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> Well, on your recommendation, I'm gonna to have to check that one out because I I felt the same way. I was like, I'm not I'm not gonna get into that one. It's it's not gonna be any good. Love the Expanse though. Oh yeah, Expanse. Love the Expanse. Yeah, you should you should definitely check out the Shannara Chronicles. That is on Netflix, or at least was last I saw. Yeah, it was it was the other so day. If you have that, yeah. give it a shot. Yeah, my biggest problem is is uh, most of my TV viewing I do with my husband, and he I can get him to do the sci-fi. The fantasy is a little bit harder of a sell. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can just sneak that in there. <laughs> Very cool. Well, let's let's talk about your podcast because I'm I've said I'm a, a huge fan and uh, I I listened to this week's episode and realized that I kind of caught you at like the perfect time because you guys are taking it into all different directions right now. So go ahead and tell me about your podcast and all the things you're doing around it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we started a while back, and now we're just trying to think what other things can we do, you know, not not just the podcast, but other things that people might be interested in now that we've talked about this so much. So we're setting up uh, – uh, well, Jared, go ahead and take it away. You're kind of in charge of this. Uh, yeah, the the big the biggest thing, I think, is the, the 360-slash-VR uh, gameplay that we're going to be doing for video on YouTube. Uh, we've had the channel created for a couple months now, but I'm – uh, trying to finish up uh, getting the first couple uh, episodes all edited up, and we're hoping to have it up on early June. I'm shooting for June 5th to have the first episode up. But, yeah, it's going to be, uh, we're, uh, again, recording it in 360-slash-VR. So it's going to be, in your, the camera is literally positioned at a seat at the table. So if you're doing VR, it'll be like you're sitting at the table and playing with us. Just, unfortunately, you're mute, apparently, at the table. <laughs> and you have to sit between me and JR. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I'm trying to, you know, just kind of give you that, you know, at the table experience, you know, and also, again, we've been talking about doing, you know, the tips and tricks of DMing, and now you kind of get to see some of those in action as I, you know, attempt to not suck at DMing too bad. Um, and you can kind of see firsthand experience. Plus, we've mentioned my, you know, my custom world of Wrath a few times, yeah. and we're playing in that world, so you kind of get the experience and, you know, slowly be exposed to some of the quirks and, and tricks of that world, and you'll... There'll be graphics on there as well. I have some custom maps that I made from scratch in Photoshop. And uh, again, I, I'm also the proprietor of Mad Dog Designs and I do all, so all the battle maps are going to be custom designed battle maps that I do that we're going to make available, uh, either for sale or for free download, uh, through our Patreon and through the, the Mad Dog Design, uh, Facebook page as well. And actually for a little bit of an Easter egg on the first episode, um, when Jared is going through his recap of what's gone by and he talks about the traveling and all that. If you look down with the VR, there's a map in front of the camera and 
just on a spur of the moment thing, I reached over and I started pointing out just so if you're looking at the map, you can see where each of the travels and where everything went. Uh, just as a little side note to be able to follow along a little bit better as to what's happened in the game. Yeah. Uh, another little Easter egg would be that we actually played two sessions before we decided to go VR, but we decided that we also wanted to start the channel on the right note. So if we're going to go VR, we should start VR. So there's actually two episodes that we have recorded that we're going to kind of, um, or I should say two sessions worth of material that we'll have as kind of like the lost episodes that we'll put out on the channel later on down the road, but they're just going to be like, you know, regular 2D, you know, standard format video. Um, yep. And as another Easter egg, there's a literal human shrunken head on our <laughs> table. <laughs> Uh, yeah, again... It's made out of plastic, but it is human and it is shrunken. Yeah, I was going to say, you're trying to get me arrested here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this... I'm, I'm going to end up having to testify. We've got this. We've got, you know, shady dealings in New York. I'm, I'm concerned, yeah. Jared. I'm concerned. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. I, I'm a full <laughs> criminal. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I have a lawyer's uh, business card around here somewhere. <laughs> Just don't ask about his parking tickets. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I, I knew you guys were doing... Doing a a video, but I don't think I realized it was 360 VR. That's that's awesome, and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm guessing well, expensive. <laughs> yeah, when we first mentioned the idea, you know, we were getting ready to record the first couple sessions, and again, we recorded them, you know, with just a couple GoPros, and I have an Osmo 4K camera, and you know, trying to get some different camera angles and stuff. So it wasn't the original intention, but then I uh, was, you know, chatting with a friend and we were talking about how YouTube's pushing 360 and VR video right now. So even if you're a nobody, you know, YouTube's kind of helping to promote it and trying to get it out there because they want this to be a successful format. And then we came up with the idea like, well, why don't we take advantage of that? And like that, wouldn't that be cool to do a play in like a VR 360 environment? So I went out and I got a camera and this, also, unfortunately, came up at the same time that one of the players had to drop out of the game. Yeah, so it was so we had an empty seat at the table to put the camera there. Perfect. Yep. So yeah, it all just kind of worked out. And honestly, it's not as expensive as you think. I got a Samsung Gear 360. And it's about two fifty on Amazon, I think. That's not bad. Yeah, not at all. It does really good quality. I mean, it's technically 4K video, but that's for the total 360 environment. So I think when you're viewing, it's actually around like 720ish. Okay. So I mean, it's not as sharp as, you know, full-on 1080p, but you're getting that 360 environment, so I think the trade-off's worth it. Yeah, well, and it's definitely, I mean, I know that there's, like, anytime you watch a a real play or some of that stuff where you kind of want to zoom into something or, or look around a little bit, you, you don't have that control. And I think in this situation, it it's a really good opportunity to take advantage of that. Yeah, that was kind of my thought is instead of trying to, you know, have the perfect camera angle at all times, trying to run, you know, four or five different cameras simultaneously, since I don't have any cameramen, <laughs> you know, then uh, the 360, I'm just kind of, I'm getting the whole room with one camera, so. Right. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you guys for um, for kind of subjecting yourself to the interview and uh, giving us a update on all the fun stuff that's going on. Um we're going to quickly go into just the kind of stuff we've done specifically this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. A bunch of you guys have theater backgrounds, is that right? I think I heard that both on your show and, and in your backgrounds. I have a bachelor's in theater and did it for 15, 16 years. I was part of an improv troupe for about a year. Awesome. So, yeah. 
So yeah, so so then you'll understand where I'm coming from. I, I'm a drama teacher, and uh, this past uh, couple of weeks has been our our hell week for our school show, and so most of my geeking out this week has been about uh, about drama stuff, um, kind of getting ready for now now that this year's kind of mostly done for our shows, trying to get everything set up for next year, which I think in some ways is the most exciting part because you get to find all the new pieces that you're going to do and kind of all the ways you're going to change the program. And uh, I I found this place, which is probably only of interest to to drama teachers, but I'm going to geek out about it. Um, there's a place called Theater Folk Online, and they have what – it's a, a paid service, but it's a drama theater academy. And any teachers out there know that a lot of the places you go to online as resources – are kind of crappy. You would think that teachers would be able to put together better websites, <laughs> but they're usually, <laughs> they're usually hard to navigate. They don't have as as strong uh, resources as you would hope they would have. And this this site has like video tutorials and like their lesson plans are top notch. I was able to print and go with one of their lesson plans. It it, it is just an awesome 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 resource and they have a, a podcast they they put out an episode i think every other week which in my opinion is not nearly enough but uh, but yeah so i i very much have been geeking out about the theater folk this week and then, awesome. yeah and then the other thing that we've been doing a lot here is we've been trying to make our way through sense eight i don't know if you guys have watched this series at all uh, I've seen it on Netflix, but I have not watched it yet. Yeah, I'm not at the point where I've seen that yet either. I'm actually finishing up The Office. So. <laughs> nice, nice. What do you think of Sensei? I love it. I love it. Um, I thought the the first season is a little slow to start because you don't know what exactly is going on. Like you you understand right. the concept, but you're not quite sure how it works or what it is. And you're kind of exploring it how they're exploring it, but especially for film buffs. It's it's amazing because they would go and take the entire cast to India, and I mean, do you guys know what the premise is? I do not. No. Uh, it's a group of strangers who find out that they're connected, like through their senses, like they can, uh, are clairvoyant, clairaudient with each other at limited times and have some telepathic connections. That's it exactly, and they're all over the world, and so the way yeah, the Tom TV guy is the one that brings that. Up. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Jerry. You're making me look bad. Um, the the way it kind of manifests is you know the the guy in in Chicago is talking to somebody in Iceland and then they'll cut to the woman in Iceland talking to the guy in Chicago and the way they filmed it was everybody goes to Chicago we film all the scenes that ever need to take place in Chicago and then we go to Iceland and we film all the scenes that need to go in Iceland. And the scene that took place in Chicago, we have to refilm in its entirety in Iceland so that we can splice them back together. And they go to India, they go to Korea, they go to Africa, like all these different um, places that they are going to, they they have to film every scene this number of times as, as, it, as the characters appear in it. Mm-hmm. And... Wow. Then they weave them together where you're just like it's – you know how you'll pan back and forth between characters? They'll do those pans, but the pans will be in completely different areas, and it's cinematically gorgeous. Uh, I 
did a, a brief stint out of college with a film studio. And just hearing you describe that, I've got to say that sounds like it's absolutely insane. Oh, it no, is. I was thinking kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Looking this, forward to it, though. I'm going to check that out. And this, this season, they're doing a lot more fun stuff with cuts and, and wipes where somebody will, you know, walk, you know, left to right. And as they walk, all the other people in their cluster up here behind them, um, they've got, they do kind of these, um, behind the scenes videos, the online you can find where, you know, they'll, they'll be crouching, you know, crouching down so that way they can step into the frame. It's just kind of really neat to see all the different cinematography that they, uh, they use to do it. And it's very sci-fi comic booky. So huh. highly, highly recommend Sense8. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out if for no other reason than just to kind of like get some cool, uh, cinematic kind of uh ideas yeah definitely how about you guys what have you guys have been up to this week um i mentioned the x-wing miniatures earlier i went to the store championships uh this past week at crossroad games in standish maine and i came in 15th out of 16 uh (laughs) my only win came from the person who came in last place and did not win a game all match but i still had a lot of fun and it's a great group of people uh, we get people actually coming from all over New England to attend, and we got a few more of those coming up this season, which should be fun. Um, I also had uh, an interesting exchange at work. Um, I work on the phones, and I had to update addresses and other maintenances and such. And I had a, somebody call in, ask them to do an address change for a place out in Hawaii, and they gave the road as Kamehameha Highway, which... <laughs> Jared referencing Dragon Ball Z earlier. I had to stop for a moment. I'm like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> it just connected in and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you said it correctly. That's great. I'm like, no, I know how to spell it perfectly too. <laughs> you guys know this is from Dragon Ball Z, right? <laughs> Which I'm sure they stole from probably the Hawaiian language, you know, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. means something like, like turtle wave something. Yeah. Uh, let's see what I did this week. Uh, I've been again. I've been working on the gameplay, editing that video. So I've been kind of uh, in the, the techie geek mode most of the week, playing in Adobe After Effects and Adobe Premiere, playing with that video, and uh, you know, playing around with graphics and stuff like that. Um, uh, and oh, and the other thing I do every week, of course, again, I have my Let's Play channel that I do. So I, you know, had to, pl- I had to unfortunately go to work and play some video games. <laughs> it's, real, it's real rough, you know, to record for the, the Let's Play channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually have to record, you know, because we put out a, an episode every single day on YouTube. So we have to get at least, you know, seven plus episodes recorded every, every session. And we only get together once a week. So, you know, we got to, un- again, unfortunately, twist my arms to down and play video games for about six, seven hours straight. <laughs> oh, no. what, what are you playing right now? Uh, let's see, the games that we played, uh, yes, or not yesterday, Friday when we got together, we played, uh, Broforce off of Steam, which Jerry told me about, and it's a great game. I definitely recommend it. It's very 2D, it's 2D side scroller, but you unlock a lot of, uh, action heroes based off of, you know, the, like, mostly, like, 90s movies and stuff. But they're, of course, all renamed to different, uh, bro names. So you have, like, uh, instead of Ju- Judge Dredd, you got Bro Dredd. Rambro. Rambro. Conan uh, instead of Conan. Yeah, Bro Man the Barbarian, uh, stuff like that. So you're unlocking these characters, and they all have different weapons and stuff to, to play. 
So that was a cool one. The other thing that we uh, we played that I was actually showing Jerry and Ed before that we uh, got on here with the, <laughs> on you was um, it's UEBS. It's Ultimate Epic Battle Simulator. It is epic. It is ridiculous. It's still in early beta. It's like beta 0.2 right now. It's like 16 bucks on Steam, but you can go through and you can program up to eight different like units or teams, and you can say something like you want. 10,000 Spartans versus 50,000 Orcs versus 20 T-Rexes, and uh, let's throw just a dozen giant ogres in there for fun, and then set them up on this battlefield and just let it go, and they all just start running in whatever direction you told them to start running, or you can also set them to hold position, and they just charge into each other, and the mechanics are ridiculous. It's good graphics. Again, it's an early beta, so the frame rates kind of drop. I think I'm averaging around like 10, 12 frame rates per second right now. Probably, but, probably the funnest battle we did today was about 500 U.S. Marines versus, like, 10,000 zombies, a dozen T-Rexes, and 20,000 chickens. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and the chickens actually got, like, four or five kills. Yeah. Nice. And the zombies have a function where there's an infection rate, so they can actually, if they kill you, there's a chance of you getting back up as a zombie. And they swept through the 10,000 chickens and turned about half of them into zombies, so they doubled their numbers killing all the chickens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then the other game that we're playing as our main game is just Mario 64, just going old school and playing some Mario 64 right now. So That's awesome. That's, a, that's, that's some good gaming right there. Yeah, it is. Like, it was yeah, a good day. You got, a, you got a good collection, a good, a good stretch of things there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for me, I've been mostly just, to be honest, binge-watching The Office. Like, I think I started this week on season six. I'm up to season nine. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But it's a great show. Now, is this your second watch through or is this your initial watch through? This is actually my, this is actually my first watch through. I'd never seen The Office before. Like, I'd heard about it, of course, but never actually seen it. And basically what I do now is I go around on Netflix and I'll look for shows that are interesting mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll binge watch them. Uh, sometimes they're newer shows, like I actually watched uh, 13 Reasons Why not long ago. Yeah, okay show, mm-hmm. not not bad, but kind of, you know, on the teen drama sort of deal. Uh, and then after that, I'm like, how about The Office? I've never seen that. So I decided to watch through that and probably check out Sense8 now that you've uh, sort of plugged it uh, once I'm done with The Office, because that looks pretty good. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's it's racy. It's it's not to it's not to be watched with children in the room. <laughs> but okay. if you can get past that, it it is it is a beautifully shot series. Sweet. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, we're going to take a a quick break to listen to some of the other great shows out there that you could be listening to. And uh and then we'll be back and we're going to talk about uh GMing games cuz I'm about to and I'm terrified, so maybe you guys can, <laughs> can help me out with that. Sure, sure. It's easier than you think. Awesome. All right, we'll be right back. Do you like video games? Do you like music? Do you like video game music? Then join the Washington Metropolitan Gamer Symphony Orchestra on Twitch. Each week, we feature a game the orchestra has performed music from. Our arranger guests will chat about their process, their inspirations, and why game music is so awesome. Check us out every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at twitch.tv slash WMGSO. Ba, 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 ba. 
Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. All right, so the thing that we are talking about today, we have we have three very experienced game masters here. So we are going to talk about um, game mastering, but also kind of setting up a game because I'm at that stage in the actual play that I'm trying to run, which is now getting pushed off, I think, a little bit just because the end of the school year has been busy. So I want to really do this right the first time out. And I've got the added um, complication of trying to do this as an actual play podcast. And so I figured, hey, you guys are getting ready to start your own, um, you know, video one, which is a step even further. Um, but I thought maybe you could kind of give me some tips and tricks on how to just get this thing started. Like, how do you go from concept and idea to actual functional game sessions? Honestly, just write it down. Once you have that concept and idea, just jot down some notes and then expand on those. And then the more expanding on those that you do, the more you'll get a better grasp of what is in your world and what you want to have happen when you have the players to play through your world. That'd probably be a a good first step once you have players and all that. Uh, Yeah, I usually start with... Most of the time I start with the bad guy, you know, the big bad evil guy, or at least, you know, the the initial, like, boss that I want them to kind of overcome. That's usually my starting point. So, um, like, one of the games I did that kind of, like, was the first introductory game to my world of Wrath, I had Clarissa, who I knew she's just, she looks like this little eight-year-old, unassuming little girl, but she's actually a 2,000-year-old vampire, was going to be the big shtick. So, on first meeting, I, like, I had the whole... Um, you know, concept of like when people first meet her, they won't think anything of her. She's just an unassuming little eight year old girl hanging around with her quote unquote daddy and her, you know, younger sister and whatever, you know, like they won't think anything of it. But then there's like this big reveal finding out she's the big bad vampire and then just kind of building around, okay, well, I can play with this, you know, okay, let's, you know, okay, so she's also going to be a magic user so she can charm people. So she charms this dude to pretend to be her dad and just start kind of building around that. And, you know, until eventually I have more of a full-blown concept to run people through. Um, you know, I ended up, and then I also like to, you know, my big thing that I like to do also is have more than one um, uh, obstacle going at a time. So, like, she was going to be, like, the big, bad, you know, evil guy, you know, the BBG, you know, the villain. But also, like, what else is going to be going on, you know, in the world? Because, you know, no, no world is linear enough to have... Right. One thing going on, you know, like every right. day you got to go to work, but you also got to make sure you get gas in your car and you got to make sure that you have money to go you know, to buy lunch. And just the, like these little things that seem like nothing to you, but you start you up the up their epic scale a little bit for a game. And all of a sudden there are these you know obstacles to overcome. So yeah. like in that first game, you know, there was a wave of zombies that were also heading towards the town. So and then also the younger, the quote unquote, younger sister of Clarissa got kidnapped. So it's like, OK, do they hang around and help try to find, you know, this. This kid that's been kidnapped, or they go? Do they go cut off the zombie horde before they get to the town? 
you know, which way do they go? Do they try to do both? You know, the, and then kind of keep the pressure on them of like, you know, time is of the essence, you know, because then you have this clock ticking of like the zombies are on their way. No matter what you choose to do, these zombies are coming. Yeah. So. I think I think a really good uh, tool for that, too, is decide whether you want it plot based, like there's a villain doing a thing mm -hmm. or if it's more event based where, OK, I'm creating a world and there's different points in the world that your characters at adventures could go explore. Mm -hmm. uh, either one's fine. Um, you just like each each different area as they're going to it. Maybe you have some encounters on the way. You figure out that specific dungeon. You let them go through it and then they come back and then sort of see how everything unfolds. And you might even create a plot out of that. Uh, I, I've had that happen before. Where I just had a bunch of random areas, and then all of a sudden, the, the players start putting some things together that I hadn't considered. And I say, "Sure, not a problem. That's a plot now." You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Is you know, I'm I'm kind of co-writing it with my husband because there was no way I was going to be able to add a third podcast to my rotation <laughs> and not include my yeah. significant other. Otherwise, there's just no together time at all. Um, and, and you know, he's he's kind of getting into it, and, and he has no no gaming experience. So, so he's coming at it from kind of a writing standpoint and, and trying to convince him that, you know, we're we're gonna have very little control over where these these um characters go. The characters are gonna you know always throw us these little loops that we're not gonna be able to plan for. And so, kind of right. getting a big enough scope that we can catch those things as they happen and be able to deal with them, I think, is our our primary concern. Right. Uh, collaboration is is a great tool for planning. Uh, the Game Master Studio is actually a reference. Uh, a few years ago when we were doing DM, DMing and we had multiple people running games, we used to get together on Saturday afternoons and we'd all sit around a table and we'd all work on our individual games, but we had other people there to bounce questions and ideas off of and like, oh, I need a name or how should I handle this? And we were able to get a lot of work done, produce some really high quality gaming um, just by using the different ideas that different people offer. So having somebody else that you're working with is great. Uh, it'll help you when you get stuck, and you can help him if he's not sure where to go um, and work together. Mm -hmm. One of the big things that I would say, um, I've used this as a joke on a couple of podcasts, is for every gaming session, I prep the exact same amount, and that amount is not enough. Right. <laughs> you, you have to accept that there's going to be a point where you're going to have to stop planning and sit down at the table and actually play and just go with what you have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes just letting go and like, I'm not ready, but I'm going to do this anyway is a big leap to take, but you can still have some great games come off of it. Right. Absolutely. And I think, uh, well, two things. One, the the game we're going to be playing is going to be based on uh, kind of a, a conspiracy theory world. So everybody's kind of, you know, either illuminated or not. And, you know, how deep does the conspiracy go and that kind of thing. And that's the fun thing about planning with somebody is that I'm thinking of conspiracies in one way. And then my husband will come in and go, well, but what if this? And he'll take that like left turn that actually makes it feel like a more interesting conspiracy. So that's that's mm -hmm. been kind of a yep. fun way of of doing it. But I think at this point, my probably my next step is I've got the I've got the players. I need to get their characters, and um, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about integrating character um, 
characters into your world? Because I, I know, um, Jared, you, you talk quite a bit about how you've allowed your players to kind of shape the world that you've created. Yeah, well, I mean, they're your biggest untapped resource because, I mean, whether everyone at your table has DM'd before or not, or whether it's their first time, you know, playing a character in your world or or, or even a first game of D&D, everyone has some sort of interest or knowledge about, you know, fantasy or just, or, you know, sci-fi or, or something. Like, everyone has their own experiences, their own ideas and, and imagination, so... And why use only your imagination when you can have, you know, tap everyone around you as well. So Jerry's been a big, you know, person that's had a lot of input in my world. You know, pretty much every character he's had has influenced it to some degree, whether just with the backstory that he wrote um, or just through play, because he's, again, been one of my longtime players. Uh, one of his first characters, he wrote up a background where he wanted to be part of like a, a band of thieves, kind of like a Robin Hood-ish kind of thing, you know, like, you know, and he was like, hey, is there anything going on in this this forested area over here near where we're starting? And I said, not that I, I don't have anything planned for that yet. Well, would you mind if, you know, my band of thieves hangs out over here in this forest and that kind of becomes their little, their shtick prior to, you know, this game start? And I'm like, all right, cool. So now this forest is known for this band of thieves that robs people that travel through it all the time. You know, just little things like that. I just think it's, you know, they're just a huge resource that you should take advantage of. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and when they come to you with their backgrounds, um, or or when they're creating their characters, you can just work on their backgrounds with them. If they have a really cool idea, think to yourself, how can I integrate this into my game? Uh, I was running a superheroes game once, and one of the... Uh, players uh, wanted to be part of a secret organization. And I hadn't really, in this game that I was building, I hadn't really thought, well, there's going to be a secret organization involved, you know. It was just going to be kind of standard villains and heroes, that sort of thing. But I'm like, okay, let's play with that. So I created that organization, said they were a part of it. And then as the game progressed, I started fleshing out that organization more. It made them this bigger, broader thing. And it actually, when the game sort of circled back around to that a couple times, it actually, a lot of the players really liked that because that was something that, like, the players were into, specifically the one who kind of wrote that up in their background. And that player gave me a lot of information on how they thought the organization would be. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the things that's, that's, because I've picked this idea that any conspiracy out there could be possible, um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they come back to me with because the... Even if they have something in their background, because nothing appears is what it seems, it's going to be very easy to say yes and to because the percept that character's perception may not be on the surface. It's what it is, but on, as it gets deeper, you can kind of take it any way you want to go. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can do whatever you want with it. Yeah, yeah, two 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 really good tricks for integrating that stuff uh, is the yeah, sure, we'll go with that. You know, your players come up with something and you integrate it in because it's a great idea and it's easy to, you know, utilize their creativity to expand your world. Um, the other thing is to remember, remember is if you're putting in a twist or a plot change, as long as it doesn't contradict something you've already firmly established, anything is fair game. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, the Baron could be working for the bad guys because they didn't have any proof previously that he was innocent even though you didn't have him planned to be working for the bad guys until the very start of this session. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you can 
change stuff that's already happened as long as the players don't notice. And it's really easy to just get away with, with cheating new twists and hooks and threads in. Um, and it makes the game seem really rich because the players don't know how much is kind of held together from behind with, yeah. you know, duct tape and bubble gum. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, I would, uh, something along the lines I was going to mention is, like, the players don't know what's in your head. If you haven't said it out loud, they don't know if you change things, you know, in that moment or not, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and like you said, getting the players' actual characters will be, I think, like you said, a big next step. Because once you know what they want to play and you have those characters, and especially their backgrounds, then you can start planning things and incorporating backgrounds or, or little story, you know, uh, twists and, and fragments from, you know, their character into the story. And then it seems like your story has infinitely more depth. All of a sudden, like, oh, my long-lost brother is in your game? Right, I thought right. he was just going to be this random piece of my backstory, and you just had this random NPC that you needed to fill a slot for, yeah. and you said, hey, why not be PC number three's long-lost brother from his background? Why not? That fits. And for a conspiracy style game, one thing you might do if you if you're planning on having like NPCs who are involved in the conspiracy, and then one or a group of them turns out to be like, oh, they're the head of it, plan out like a dozen or so NPCs, you know, and just give them like a name, what it is they do, and why they're mysterious, and let the players play through them. And as a GM, don't think, okay, this one in in particular is the 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 head honcho mm-hmm. just let it all happen like let let them go through them all maybe the final one they talk to is the head honcho or maybe maybe you just don't determine it until okay it would be the most interesting if this if this guy that i made if he was in charge of all this that would be the most interesting thing to happen then you could just say okay well they they have no idea who it is up until this point and then finally that gets revealed it seems like some master plot, even though it really might not be. There's a lot of sleight of hand. Uh, there really is. Oh, yeah. I am, I am noticing. Yeah. yeah, there really is. I don't know how many times I've had my players, I've told them about bandits in the caves, and they've decided to go after orcs in the woods. It's the same, it's the same encounter. Right. You know, I, you know, I, just, re, I just refurbished the stats, you know, but it's the same encounter. Yeah. yeah. I, had, I had one where I had three different plot lines that they could follow and they all wound, they all would have wound up leading to the exact same encounter at the exact same point. Right. Mm -hmm. They just had different ways of getting there and the players had no clue. Well, one of the things that I'm, I'm planning on doing and and the way we're doing this particular game is because I'm, I'm, I'm pulling from a pool of people who are of exceedingly different experience levels. I've got people who are on their own actual plays. I've got people who have, um, run their own games before, and I have people that only know what tabletop gaming is because I invited them to the game. So, yeah, it's a gaming group. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we are are, are going to be very diverse, and and so I'm I'm wondering how how do you handle going into the character creation um, mode? Um, how do you how do you handle those different varying levels of experience? Because my my imagine the way I see it happening is meeting with each of them online for an hour or so individually, or me and my husband and them, and kind of fleshing it out. And I I assume that some of the more experienced characters are going to be, um, you know, already fleshed out and and ready to go and just kind of getting details and ideas. But there's going to be some people that I'm going to kind of have to walk through from the very step one. Um, yeah. 
how do you how do you deal with those variances in experience? I think one thing you can do is have what's called a session zero, where you just bring everyone together who's going to be in the game. You tell them how about your world and about what you're expecting from the game. So you'd say, okay, well, my world is going to have this setting. There's going to be kind of a conspiracy theory thing going on. Here's a little bit of back history that your characters will know. Let them delve into that for a bit while you explain it, and then say, okay, let's make characters. And, you know, if you have more experienced players, you know, kind of lean on them a little bit to help with the character creation from the newer people, assuming everyone knows the system. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you know, kind of go from there, you know, start asking each individual player, you know, hey, tell me about your character. What what drives your character? What are you making? You know, you know, maybe you're a fighter who was a farmer and, you know, some someone torched your farmland. So you're going to, you know, get revenge on that or, or something. You know, it could be it could be simple or, you know, uh, even more complex. But I, I would suggest maybe a session zero where you go over everything and, and build characters together. So everyone kind of gets an idea what's going on and maybe even get a little playing in at the end if there's enough time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was going to suggest the same thing, a character building session. It is going to be a little bit quirkier if you're doing it all via online or Skyping and stuff. Uh, That's true. Because you don't want everyone talking over each other. <laughs> right. But if, you know, but if you can do some, you know, if people can type in the, you know, the side chats and stuff for, like, you know, some one-on-one chat. Because, I mean, ideally, you know, if you have that kind of a large experience gap you do kind of want to get them all together because you can take again take advantage of the player uh, resource you have there and have the newer the more experienced people help the newer people but also gives them a chance to try to create a cohesive party when you have that kind of experience gap you know making sure that again if it's kind of like a medieval based kind of D&D game you know like your standard typical D&D game making sure someone in the group is a healer or has the ability to heal having a tankish kind of character Having a support character or, you know, the rogue kind of character for some stealth and sneakiness, you know, um, that gives them all a chance to kind of plan that all together and have it be a little bit more natural than all of a sudden everyone coming to you and going, I want to be a fighter. Okay, I'm going to get together with this dude tomorrow. Okay, I want to be a fighter. I want to be a fighter. I want to be a fighter. Uh, What do you want to be? I want to be a fighter. And then you go, I have five fighters. No, no stealthy fighters. No, like they're all the same. You know, uh, they're all using a great axe. They're all wearing plate mail. They're all, they're all, you know, the same dude. (laughs) And then having to go to each player and go, would you mind playing something else, maybe? Or now I have to fill the party with NPCs to round it out? No. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking of doing is once I know, because I'm, I'm actually running three three groups in this world, so they're each going to be coming to the same world from different angles. Okay. So Let's once I know it. which players are in which group... Um, I, I was thinking of sending out an email and explaining, all right, you guys are in the same group. This is kind of the, the focus of, of your sessions is going to be this. And and kind of look at the classic D&D composition mm-hmm. from an urban, urban fantasy background. Yeah, you can say, well, the fighter is a soldier and the cleric is a priest. You know, but oh yeah, but, you can skin them however you want. Yeah, yeah, you can skin them however you want. But I, I I'm kind of hoping to be able to push them towards thinking. You know, the fighter could also be a high school football player. The fighter sure. could also be, you know, a, a gang member. The gang member could also fall into the thief role. You know, there's all different sure. places you can go, and I'm kind of hoping to get kind of that diversity of 
of character ideas because I think ultimately that's what's going to make the the sessions enjoyable to not only play because you know, that's the thing doing it, and you guys are experiencing this right now. You can't just be fun for the players. It now has to be pl- fun for an audience, right? To, right. to tune right. into on a regular basis. So. Yeah, keep them coming back. Yeah, absolutely. Another nice tip for maybe your newer players that need a little help uh, fleshing out the characters is to come up with a few questions um, that can't be answered in game terms. Mm-hmm. So give them questions like, what's your relationship with your parents? You know, how far would you go for somebody that you loved? When your character was a kid, what did they want to be when they grew up? You know, stuff that makes them think about who they're playing and not what their numbers are. That's that's a really good idea because yeah. that's I, – I don't – well, I'm, I'm using GURPS, which – I'm only yep. choosing because I think it's going to scale up from where I want it to start to where I want it to end in, mm-hmm. in a very strong way. But I think it's very easy with that system to get very lost in the mechanics. And I don't want to scare people off. So I would rather approach crea- character creation from that story point and fill yep. in the numbers afterwards. I've played GURPS, and it can be a beast of a system. can be. Um, Best of luck to you, sir. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a good, solid system. One other thing you could do that we always suggest to, to new or GMs or for GMs of new players is the pre-generated character. You mm-hmm. could come up with a handful of characters and say, hey, which one of these appeals to you the most, and see if they want to play that. Uh, that's something you could present to your group. It's always good to mention that to your group first. Say, hey, I was thinking of pre-generated characters. What does everyone else think? Mm-hmm. You know, that way you don't have, like, the one person who's like, no, I don't really want to do that. Right. Um, but if everyone's if everyone's cool with that, you can make up some pre-generated characters and and then have them uh, uh, kind of flesh some other uh, parts of the character out on their own. So it is sort of theirs as well, but you've done most of the mechanical work. Right. Uh, yeah, like Jerry said, with the, the questions that aren't mechanical... Uh, was it that first game, I think? I gave basically everyone, like, a profile sheet. Like, what is your oh. character afraid of? What, you know, like... We had, like, this five-page sheet. Yeah. Just, just questions to fill out. And... Yeah, just, like, I was just trying to get as much depth into these... Like, force depth into the characters. Because I'd had problems with characters being very shallow and just basically being stats on a page in the past. Murder hobos? Yeah, yeah, just traveling... <laughs> yeah, wandering murder hobos. Uh, So, I, yeah, I was like, you know, like, what's... Not not like what's your favorite color, but like you know, like uh, who you know, who are your family members? Who are you close to in your family? Who are your friends? I remember there was one on there that was describe your character's worst nightmare. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was purposely going for like what what is your character afraid of? You know, describe worst nightmares and stuff because again, it was going to be a horror based game, so I wanted to have these little bits of information from a character standpoint and from a player standpoint because you're not really going to scare the character if the player's not afraid, you know, afraid of something. But, like, I, if I could actually know some of the players' fears as well, then I would actually get a visceral reaction out of those players, uh, you know, which would translate into their character. Like, I have a friend that's deathly afraid of spiders. So if I can correctly, you know, I, I can't just say I throw some spiders at you, but if I can describe and kind of get, like, some, you know, a nice mood and, yeah. you know, then describe these nasty, you know, the gigantic giant. spiders with the drooling fangs and, you know, and get really some nice descriptors in there... Then he's gonna just be like, you know, just as he would describe it as like all jeeved out, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and that will translate into his character play. So, yeah, I know uh, there's an old. I have. I'm one of those people with just like 
shelves of unused um, gaming books because, mm -hmm. you know, we just do that. Um, yeah. And I know somewhere in there, in there it was either a hero um, book or a champion book or something, but they had kind of this where you could randomly roll on the table for all your background. Oh, yeah. But the character, the, the questions I've used before in campaigns to, um, to have people kind of flesh those out and, and maybe I need to dig around and, and find that book and pull out some questions that, that are applicable to, to what we're trying to accomplish. So that's a, it's a good idea. Awesome. Well, any other things that I should be wary of, especially as as this is going to be a um, in the public forum and not just a bunch of friends around a, a gaming table? Any any last little tips or tricks? I would just say don't think about the fact that you're doing it on you know. I mean, you're doing a podcast anyway, so you kind of know some of the tricks. But just be re, you know relax and know that no one's perfect and just do the best you can and just and make sure that you're having fun too. Yeah, that's the most important rule. Have fun. Yeah, if you're having fun, that will translate into your players. Your players will have fun as well. And absolutely, definitely, if you haven't already, go back and listen to all of our back episodes. <laughs> we'll give you a nice base for being a good GM. Um, work from there, and you'll definitely be able to do uh, to run a game off the coffee no time. <laughs> I do have to say, we skipped right to all the things we are doing with you, you guys are doing with your your show. We didn't actually talk about the show itself. You guys run one of the best um, game mastering advice shows. It, it's so comprehensive. Um, it's entertaining because you guys are sharing your experiences and where a lot of gamers could um, go on and on about their characters or their game sessions you you guys kind of find that sweet spot where you give us all the information, but we're still engaged in the stories that you're telling. I I, I absolutely love your show. We appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, man. It is actually, uh, believe it or not, it is hard finding that balance. Sometimes we uh, just have to do, like you've noticed, the bonus episodes. Sometimes we have to do a bonus episodes where it's just like, we just need to tell some stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because everybody has, anybody who, who tabletop games knows that, and I don't do it nearly as much as I, I would love to, but um, you, you get a connection to these characters that really is only important to you and the people who experience that. It's, yeah, right. it's true, right. yeah. And so it is a fine line between, you know, explaining the experience and over-explaining the experiences. I think you guys hit that sweet spot pretty nicely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, any shout-outs as we start to close up the uh, show? Uh, well, of course, you know, we have to thank everyone that's listening for listening to, um, you know, both us and your podcast right now and uh, all our fans that listen to us on our, our podcast regularly. Uh, we also all wanted to say a little shout out to all of the, the players in our various games. And then, of course, we have to give a special shout out to a friend of mine, Adam Kinney. He actually did custom artwork for all the PCs in the game that we're doing for the, the online gameplay. So when you watch the video, there's actually custom artwork by a friend of mine uh, for each of our characters. So you actually can see, you know, a, have a visual representation of this character and not just have to try to imagine what we imagined in our own heads. And then, of course, i got to uh, give a little shout-out to my own little Let's Play, right, in GameBound. I never actually said the, the name of the, the channel, GameBound, me and my friend Jimbo. Anything else you guys want to shout out? I want to give a shout out to actress Yvonne Strahovski. Uh, stay hot. <laughs> Doing great. Um, and I might as well go to uh, 
Uh, I've mentioned a few times that I'm running a weekly game or a monthly game for from some family members, uh, including my second cousins who are preteens in their first kind of D&D official campaign where we're actually playing the game. Um, and they kind of didn't believe that there were people out there that wanted to interview and find out what I did as a DM, even though they enjoy the game. Um, so, well, I can't really give, you know, their real names out. I can prove that it's actually me by giving the character names of Zelzar Timeslayer and Onastar Roast. Um, <laughs> to prove that, yes, there are people out there who are interested in hearing what I do as a DM. <laughs> oh, kids. Uh, they'll never understand until they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. I'd like to send a shout-out to my co-host of uh, State of the Geek, Kelly Hightower, we we podcasted yesterday. The episode will go up on Wednesday, and uh, we explored um, as as far as two white people can. We explored the uh, problem of racism, uh, both <laughs> in in geek culture and in the world. So that's going to be coming out on Wednesday. Give that a look, and um, and it's always nice to to talk to Kelly because because um, she's fun. And we, we, we've decided that we need to find times outside of podcasting to actually be able to talk because she's, I'm in California and she's in North Carolina. So it's not oh, like yeah. we're hanging out on Friday nights. No. Yeah. yeah. Coming up next week, we're going to be talking again to our friend Ray Vargas as we, uh, spoil Wonder Woman, which all of us, I think, are keeping our fingers crossed that this is going to be a viable DC film. Um, so give us a, a look next week for that. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek2Dude is a proud member of the Geek2Geek network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as the Geek2Geek podcast, Video Game News Now, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and The Comic Box. And make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Where can we find you, gentlemen? Uh, we Our podcast comes out weekly, uh, usually Tuesday or Wednesday, and is available at GameMasterStudios.Podbean.com. We're also on Twitter at GMS Studios. Uh, we have our Patreon page, Patreon.com slash GameMasterStudio. And, of course, we're set up on Facebook where we get a stream of questions from fans and players that want advice, and we're more than happy to uh, give people individual tips and tricks and just talk about your games. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, for uh, for all your help and for for being here on a nice long three day weekend. And yeah, thank uh, you. Thank very, you very much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Keep keep doing what you're doing because we love it. And for all of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it geek.